In just a few moments, we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 9. But as the Lord has led me, I want to begin a series today called The God Series. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35 and verse 39, the Scripture tells us that the Lord, He is God, and besides Him there is none else. There's none besides Him. There is no second place. Contrary to what you hear in our culture, in our world, there is no competition. We read that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, and then the Lord led me to 1 Kings chapter 18 earlier this week, and I was reading about a little bit about the results of the confrontation that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. When it was all said and done, the fire from heaven had consumed all of the sacrifice. This is what the people of Israel said. The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, they didn't just say it once either. They said, the Lord, He is the God. I like that. He's not just God, He's the God. Then I read in Psalms 100, and it says these words, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. I didn't read the article, but I called a caption where they're trying to tie in the creation of Adam and Eve with evolution. I read it just this morning. But I'm here to state that there's only one God. There's only one Lord, only one King, and you and I didn't create ourselves. He created us, and I am so glad He did. Can we just give the Lord praise? For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the God. This morning specifically, I feel the Lord is directing me to talk about knowing God. Really knowing God. Do you really, do you really know God? Stand with me if you would. Jeremiah chapter 9. And I want to read two verses of Scripture. Let this really hit home today. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord 
I long for a supernatural touch from heaven, and I covet your prayers. So I'm going to ask you to stretch forth your hand and pray over this preacher today. Would you join with me? Let's pray together. Father, we come to this part of the service where we need your anointing, your strength, your power. God, we've got to have your touch. Lord, I pray that as you have directed for this day, I pray that you would minister through your servant, open the ears to hear and the hearts to receive, touch this body physically, this mind mentally, this heart spiritually, that I would be able to articulate and communicate the word of the living God. Lord, on this first Sunday of the new year, may every one of us be challenged with a burning desire, a craving to know you more than we have ever known you before. My Lord, my Lord, have your way, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, know God in 2022. Happy New Year to each and every one of you, and may 2022 be your best year ever. I don't know about you, but I would be the first in line to sign up for, one, a less stressful year, or should I say a more peaceful year than what we have experienced in 20 and 21. May I also say that, two, I would be first to line up, to sign up, to have an impacting year in 22, the kind of year that would be life-changing and transforming, a year that when it comes to its conclusion, I can look back upon and say, God really done something tremendous inside of me. How do we get there, though? What would the Spirit of the Lord speak to each, and each of us about as we launch into this new year with all of its unique challenges, some that carried over, some that we'll face for the first time? If you're like some, if you're like many, you have resolutions, you have plans for the year. I know this comes as no shock to you, but... 50% of New Year's resolutions have to do with losing weight. Some of you started out yesterday with big plans, but just the fact that I mentioned food and you're thinking about lunch already and it isn't salad, I feel your pain. I sympathize with you. A few years ago, Sandra and I were, were talking. She had checked in on a game show, not a game show, a talk show rather, and as she was listening you know, on the show, they were promoting one word. And so Sandra asked me, she said, it's been about probably five years back, she said, if you could focus on one word in the new year, what would it be? I remember that year she chose positive, and I chose optimistic. And you say, well, that seems like an insignificant practice. And yet, the truth of the matter is, if we really focused on something like that, 
it would make a difference in our outlook, would make a difference in our perspective. We may not even call them resolutions, but we all have goals and things that we would like to see happen this year. Maybe it's getting out of debt. Maybe it's getting healthier. Maybe it's expanding your networking. Maybe it's downsizing your social media presence. Maybe it's continuing or completing your education. It may be something as simple as saying, you know what, I'm going to process more and I'm going to react less. Boy, that would help quite a few of us. The list goes on and on, and all of these are they're noble goals. They're goals that are attainable. They're, they're goals that are reasonable. They're, they're goals to help us better ourselves. But have you ever wondered what the Heavenly Father's New Year's plans are for you? The reality is God has no New Year's resolutions. His desire for you is the same desire He has for you all year long. What is that, preacher? His desire for you is that you would know Him in a greater way than you've ever known Him before. That you would get to know His character and His integrity and His personality and, and how He functions and how He operates and that you would allow Him to drop His love into your heart and you would allow Him to drop deposit His holiness into your character and that the truth that is God Almighty would, would become so much a part of you that people would see there's no guile or deceit found in you anywhere because you're getting to know God more. And as you're getting to know God more, God is changing you from the inside out. So with that in mind, I want to talk about knowing God today and knowing God in a, in a greater way. But let's ask some probing questions this morning. The first probing question, I would say, if you really have a desire to know God, you have to honestly ask yourself this question. To this moment, have you been seeking more His hand, or are you seeking His heart? Now, let's face it, we are a, we are a needy group of people. We come across desperate situations in our lives. We are where we need divine provision that the employer cannot give to us. We need healing during a COVID season that the doctor cannot provide. Had someone tell me the other day, get the infusion, get the infusion, you gotta have the infusion. Talk to two medical professionals that live across the street from me. They both got the infusion. For one, it done wonders. For the other one, it didn't help them at all. Because nobody really knows. The body is so unique and different and responds in so many different ways. There really is no complete and right answer for this COVID season. And so we look, we look to the doctor for healing, but in reality, the doctor doesn't have all the answers. We need finances that the bank is not able to help us with. Or maybe we need marital or relational reconciliation that the family counselor do not have an answer for. The truth is we are a very needy people. There have been times over the course of my life when family members that I have desperately wanted to see a miracle happen for. 
I remember times that I have pleaded when my son was deathly sick, when my wife was, was deathly sick, when my mother was deathly sick, and I would cry out to God for his hand to move upon them. I was needy. I was desperate for God to touch them. I have grieved with families even this past year, probably more so than any other year that I've served here as your pastor, and I've watched people in broken situations in churches that I've pastored, and, and I would say, God, we need your hand. We need your, we need your touch. We need your, we need your strength. But I'm telling you, while all those times that I was seeking his hand and his power and his, his miracle and his healing, I began to ask myself the question, was my character being changed? Was my reputation being altered? Was my personality being modified from what it was in its carnality into more of a spiritual frame like Jesus? And I, I asked the Lord to bring me to the pulpit today to change your way of thinking and my way of thinking and, and say, Lord, while we desperately need miracles from your hand, what I really want in 2022 is to know more about your heart. I want to know more about who you are. I want to know about more of your character. I want to become more like Jesus. And I'm telling you to become more like Jesus, you have to go more after the heart of God than you do after the hand of God. That's truth. This past week, for the last couple of weeks, God's Spirit has, has been dealing with me and, and telling me and challenging me to come aside. And He wants me to seek Him. He wants me to find Him. He wants me to know Him. That's why Jeremiah said it best. He said, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let not the mighty man glory in his might and his strength. But if you're going to glory in anything, if you're going to boast in anything, boast in the reality that you know and understand God Almighty. As I was thinking about that this week, this week I, was, I was taken to the book of Exodus. Moses a great man of God, a man that was close to God, spent many years with the Lord, had seen some powerful things performed by God's hand. Let me just recount a few of them this morning. Moses watched firsthand as God sent ten plagues upon the nation of Egypt that included lice and frogs and darkness and death among other plagues. Moses watched firsthand as God opened the Red Sea so millions could walk across on dry ground. Moses watched firsthand as God provided quail from a wind that he sent across the desert and manna daily from his divine storehouse. He watched it he witnessed it with his own eyes. He witnessed God bringing water from a rock. Not once, but twice. One time he was told to strike the rock. The next time he was told to speak to the rock. And in frustration he struck the rock. But both times water came forth from a rock. He witnessed this with his own eyes. He witnessed as he saw almost simultaneously as fire came down from heaven and consumed one rebellious family while the earth opened up and swallowed another of the rebellious family. Moses witnessed that firsthand. 
with all of that being seen and all of that being experienced, he simply cried out in Exodus 33, I beseech you, God, show me your glory. In other words, I've seen your power. I've seen your manifestation. I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. But it's simply not enough. Oh, dear God, get a hold of us today to understand and realize that the things he does for us does not bring near about as much change as when we get alone with him and learn him for who he is. God, show us your glory. I've seen your hand. Now I want to see you. I've seen your power and provision. But I want to know you for who you are. Now somebody going to have to help me preach this morning. Let's be honest today. Let's, let's be real honest. If we're honest today, we would say that we have sought the provision more than we have the provider. We've sought the comforter, the comfort more than we have the comforter. We've sought more of the power than we have the omnipotent one. We've sought more miracles than we have the miracle worker. And let me just step out on a limb here and tell you, if your personal relationship with Jesus consists more of you asking for something from his hand than getting to know him, the truth is you're more interested in receiving than becoming like the Lord. Not just Moses, but we take it over to the New Testament. We find the Apostle Paul. If Moses saw miracles in the Old Testament... The Apostle Paul saw plenty of miracles in the New Testament. Miracles are happening. They're happening all around them. But watch this. By and large, not many people are being changed. <laughs> One time he went to gather wood from a fire and a snake leaped out of the fire and latched onto his wrist. They thought for sure he was going to, to die suddenly. But the Bible says he simply shook the, fire, the snake back off into the fire. He was miraculously spared. Paul watched God shake a Philippian jail cell where he and Silas were bound up as prisoners. They began to sing and praise God at the midnight hour. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake, not only shook open their jail cell, but also shook open the jail cell of every one of the rest of the prisoners. After he had been beaten and imprisoned, he was delivered. He watched God save him in a shipwreck. An angel stood by him in the midst of a stormy sea with all of those lives in jeopardy and said, there'll be no loss of life this night. Paul saw, like Moses did in the Old Testament, Paul saw it in the New Testament. He said he, he saw one miracle after another. But I'm telling you, Paul's cry when it all came down to it was not for another miracle. Just like Moses said after he'd seen all those miracles, I want to see your glory, God. Paul in the New Testament, after he had seen all the miracles that he had, all the times God had delivered him, all the times God had provided for him, all the times God had protected him, oh, it was in Philippians. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it was in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, the very city where God delivered him from the jail cell. 
the very city where God uh, brought about an earthquake that set him and Silas free. It was in that city that he wrote to that church, and this is what he said, Oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. I'm telling you, somebody's praying in this house. I was worried about a dry cough this morning, but more than that, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, God has sent this preacher by this morning to tell more than what you need from his hand is to know him in his power and even in his suffering. That's what will change you for this year. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I had to shake the devil loose more than one time in 21. Come on, I know I'm not the only one. I've needed deliverance even from prisons of my own making in 21. I've certainly seen the Lord deliver me from one shipwreck after another in 21. But Brother Tony, oh, that I may know him in 2022. I've lived on this earth 55 years, and if the Lord allows me to, I'll see 56 coming up in about eight or nine weeks. But I'm telling you, I don't know him near as much as he wants me to know him. And I want that to be the insatiable hunger and thirst of my soul is to know my Savior and my Father in a greater way. God doesn't want to be your Midas. That everything he touches turns to gold for you. He wants to be your father. He, he wants a relationship with you. You were orphaned. He gave you a home. You were lost. He gave you direction. You were bound. He set you free. You were blind. But you now can see anybody in the house today. God, help us to know you. I want to know you. So are you seeking his hand? Could it be that this year, the first thing God wants you to hear is I want you to come after my heart this year like you never have before. Is it possible that you could get down to pray for 15, 20, 30 minutes and not ask him for one thing? Is it possible that you could enter into a a half hour, 45 minutes of worship, some soft music playing, and you just tell him how much you love him and how much you adore him? Will it be different? Do you really want to know God? He doesn't want you to be like, you know, the children of Israel, the thunderings and the lightnings and the smoke and they're like, Moses, please ask God not to talk to us directly. We want God to talk to you, and you can transfer the information to us. 
God wanted, wants his people to know him. The second question is, are you trying to know God through God's friends? Now, I'll admit, this part of the scripture is tough for me. This idea that I could be a friend of God. There's places in the Bible that talks about friends. The scripture says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Abraham, a man of faith, was called a friend of God's. John the Baptist said, I am not the bridegroom, but I am a friend of the bridegroom. And he, the bridegroom being Jesus, must increase, and I, John, must decrease. God has friends that preach about him, that teach about him, that testify about him. I believe Jensen Franklin is a friend of Jesus. I believe David Jeremiah is a friend of Jesus. I believe Tim Hill, the overseer of the church of God, is a friend of Jesus. I'll say your, your pastor is a friend of Jesus, and I say that with every bit of reverence that I have. But here's a fact. Too many of you lived this past year relying on a friend of God to try to get to know God. Whew, I kind of felt that bounce back. Maybe you relied on a weekly sermon or a television personality or a Bible teaching podcast or a contemporary artist or a concert or a conference. These things are great. But for too many of God's children, they have been the spiritual fixes week in and week out. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to truly get to know God, you're going to have to spend time alone with God. You will never truly know God unless you are alone with God. Throughout the scripture, when a man knew a woman, it meant there was intimacy between the man and the woman. It also meant there was privacy be between the man and the woman. I love my wife. April will be 34 years that we've been married, and our times of intimacy have been wonderful and personal, and whereas affection to my wife is perfectly normal out in public, I would not dream, have never dreamed of having my child in the room, much less friends and family during times of intimacy. That is absurd. Intimacy is meant for privacy. 
Oh, man, I, I, I can tell the Holy Spirit is really digging into some roots today. You can't know God fully through Joyce Meyer or Beth Moore or Stephen Furtick. Young people, you can't know God through Lecrae or Lauren Daigle. You're going to learn the Father and know the Father when it is just you and Him. He is a holy God, and if I'm going to be holy as He commanded me to be, I'm going to have to spend time alone with Him. He is love. The Scripture says God is love. And if you want to bring your love meter up, it's not going to be by going to some personal profile, uh, personality profile test, or going to some uh, class to help you improve your, your who you are. It's going to take you getting alone with love, you getting alone with God. And I'm telling you, when you spend more time with God, you spend more time with love. And when you spend more time with God, who is love, I'm telling you, family and friends and and even your enemies are going to see a significant difference in you. He's truth. And if I will be without guile and deceit and trickery. Oh, Holy Spirit, probe deep today. Dropping a short prayer at dinner time ain't going to cut it. A half-sleepy prayer at night isn't sufficient. Reading your 90-second devotional on how to be more successful, that will not transform you, but the Scripture says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's the promise. So will it be another humdrum year? Learning about Jesus, singing about Jesus, and then you come to the end of 22 and you feel like all you've done is spin your wheels spiritually. And you say, preacher, you just don't know how busy I am. This is Susanna Wesley. She had like 15 children. Dear God. But she was such a woman of prayer. With that many children, you can't find a prayer closet. There's nowhere in the house. This is what I know, though, is that as she wore her apron if the children walked into the kitchen and they saw her apron pulled up over her face, they knew not to disturb Mama because she was calling on her God. It is no wonder that John Wesley came from that mother. It is no wonder that Charles Wesley came from that mother because she was a woman that was determined, I'm going to have my time alone with God. I will not settle for trying to know God through his friends. Have you ever had that have you ever had that friend 
they kind of wanted to be around you as long as you were doing something for them. And suddenly one day the light bulb went off. And you're like, man, I don't know if this is a true friend or not. I mean, honestly, in, in your lifetime, if you have one or two friends that are really close, you're blessed. Because true, true friends are they're hard to come by. And let me tell you something about true friends. True friends care about your being, not your doing. And if we're created in the image of God, and I've had to ask myself this question this week, I wonder sometimes how the Heavenly Father feels when all we do is come into His presence and say, give me, give me, give me, give me. He still takes care of us. He still waits for us. He still longs for our company. But I'm trying to help you go to a new place in 2022 where you just come into his presence and you say, Lord, I didn't come to ask for a thing. I just come to spend time with you. Are you seeking his hand or are you seeking his heart? Are you trying to know God through his friends. And finally, the last question I'll ask you is that do you believe that because you're used by God that you have a relationship with God? Did you know evil people are used by God for God's purposes? There's a handful of them in Richmond. Probably a boatload of them in Washington, D.C. Balaam in the book of Numbers. He was called a prophet, but he prophesied without a consistent relationship with Jehovah. I mean, if it hadn't been for the donkey he was riding on, he would have lost his head to a sword. That's the truth. You can go look it up. King Saul prophesied he didn't have no relationship with God. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve. Man, I saw it this week. I was reading in Matthew chapter 10. I believe it was Matthew chapter 10 just yesterday. And at his calling, at his calling, he's listed with the disciples, and at the end it says, and this is the one that would betray him. He had no relationship with Jesus, he's listed as a betrayer. There's a lot of debate. Well, did he know the Lord? Did he backslide? Did he? He had no consistent relationship with the Lord. And yet, I could take you to Scripture and show you where his hands brought about healing to people's bodies. I can take you to Scripture and show you that there was times that he was used to cast out demons. It's there. I know it's kind of weird. We don't think it, we don't think it goes together. It's not hand in glove. We don't, we don't understand. And then God led me back to scriptures that I shared with you back in November. And I really need you to hear the words of Jesus. 
It's in Matthew 7, 22. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name have we not done many wonderful works? Jesus will respond. And he will say unto them, I never knew you. There's that word again. Knew. I never knew you. There, there, was no, there was no intimacy, no privacy, no relationship, no closeness uh, as a bride with a groom, as a father with a son. And the result, the end result is depart from me. All of your works was a waste of time because you didn't make or take the time to just simply have a relationship with me. Would you bow your heads? God wants you to know him this year. But you have to you have to respectfully answer the question and be honest and say, you know, I have done more seeking from his hand than I have gone after his heart. You have to honestly say, you know, I've, I've really tried to get to know him through his friends rather than one-on-one -on -one for myself. Maybe you're here today and you would like to know Jesus for the first time. I'm not asking what 21 looked like for anyone in this room or anybody watching online. But I am going to ask this question. Would there be some people, some men, some women, some young people that would really like 22 to be the year that you get to know God for who He really is? You say... I've done enough seeking from his hand. I've done enough trying to get to know him through all of his friends on the television, on the internet, on podcast, in, on Sunday morning, through a song, through a concert. But preacher, I'm, I'm just as honest as I could be with you and with God today. I have, I have settled for that. And the, the Lord is saying, I want, I want you to come aside. I want you to know me more directly. I want you to know me more personally. I know you're in the room, and there's a multitude of you if you're honest with God. This has nothing to do with last year. Last year is over. It's done. The Lord said, I'll do a new thing, and he wants to do a new thing starting today. And so my question is, is will you come and kneel to know your God? Or, or will you come today and stand with your hands spread, spread out wide and, and say, God, I want to know you this year. I want to know you. I want to know you. Are you in the house today? Forget 21. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart right now, and you feel God tugging at you, say, son, daughter, I, I want to know you more. How about a young people? How about a young people? How about a teenager? How about a young adult? 
Your life has been nothing but a constant treadmill. And, and now you've heard the answer. The answer is just know God. I just want you to know me, the Father says. It's not a time to sit and watch as two or three people come. There's a multitude of souls in this place. You need to be honest and say, I really want to know God this year more than I've ever known it before. I'm telling you, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. You don't know what 22 is going to bring. But I'm telling you, if you'll come to know him for who he is and not just for what he does, he will make you strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you feel like standing with your hands spread, if you feel like kneeling and burying your face, come on, all over this place, all over this place. There's plenty of time, plenty of time to come and seek the Lord while he may be found and to call upon him while he's near. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You're in this place, Holy Ghost. Preacher, I've tried to handle things on my own. The Lord says, oh, come and know me. Come like Moses and say, God, I've, I've seen your miracles many times, but I want to see your glory. <laughs> Come like Paul and say, I've seen you do some amazing things, but I want to know you for who you are. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. This is the year. This is the year. I want to know you, God. This is the year. Every distraction removed, this is the year. I lift my hands not to ask for a thing, but just to 